The Watch is the latest and the greatest in pop culture from best friends Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. Join them as they discuss TV, movies, music, and much more. Check out The Watch on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello, and welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV show. It's your succession precap. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Waz, as always. What's up, man? I love that pregnant pause right there. That's, 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 that's another level. You got to be Stephen A level to master the pause of just the, letting the dead air sit. Sarah Koenig, Stephen A, <laughs> yes, Coward, right. the greats. Uh, Waz and I are here. We are prep school. For, uh, for Succession, we talk about what we think might happen. We'll talk a little bit about what happened on the last episode, episode two. We do it entrance survey style. So I ask Waz a series of questions, and then we just bounce off of that. Waz, how you doing this week? I'm doing great. I'm actually, I mean, I'm feeling great spiritually, but I'm, although I'm a little bit under the weather, I seem to have caught a bug out here in um, Los Angeles. Don't worry, guys. I, I don't have COVID. <laughs> um, I'm vaxxed, so even if I did, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, but yeah, just a little bit under the weather, but I'm excited to talk about succession as always. Well, let me ask you this. You know, you're a little bit under the weather. Like, first question, would you eat the donuts? <laughs> I'm I'm a donut head, so yeah. yeah, I'm not only am I a donut head, I'm just a fat boy. So eating is generally what I'm constantly either doing or thinking about or preparing for. Uh it's just a huge part of my <laughs> my daily life. So I would have snacked on at least two of them things. They didn't look the freshest. I'm not going to lie. They were boxed. You know what I mean? Like it was, they had a little <laughs> bit more Krispy Kreme to them than right. they did that artisanal, like yeah. donut friend kind of like, oh, it's got a little bit of basil in it. I would, I mean, <laughs> imagine Logan spares no expense when it comes to his kids. But the reason why I bring the donuts up first is that was the most ambiguous kind of like chess move. I think at the second episode where it was like, He's obviously telling them, I know where you are. I know what yeah. you're doing. You are, or you're still my kids. What did you think of that gesture? 
it's 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 Roman being Roman. Uh, it's 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 not Roman. Excuse me. It's Logan being Logan. It's a power play, right? Although, by the way, as we see throughout the episode, we've never really seen Logan panicking to this degree ever. Yeah. yeah. At any point in the history of the show, so we know he's actually panicked. But he sends that as a gesture of just like, look, I'm in a really vulnerable spot and you guys could actually kill me. But I know that I'm this looming, towering presence to you guys. So this show of force is going to have an effect on you. He know he knows the effect that he has on his kids, right? Yeah. Um, when he's calling Roman Romulus and, and shit like that, like <laughs> he knows what he's doing every single time. But we know as the audience that it's from a position of pure panic. Yeah, you know, it's, it was such an interesting moment because I was trying to, when I was watching the episode, I was trying to decide like what I was seeing was theater and what I was seeing was like sincere mm. kind of interest in Kendall's yeah. Kendall's pitch because Kendall's appealing to everybody both for their personal interest in terms of like accruing power, but also maybe on some level like their desire to create a more morally just company if that's even possible with like what the bones of what they have. If you could do me a favor for our second question here, can you kind of rank in order of most to least intrigued in Kendall's pl plan? Could you rank the other kids, Shiv, Roman, and Connor? Yeah, this is actually pretty easy. Most intrigued is definitely Connor. Anytime somebody wants to make Connor feel important or <laughs> have him be it's a just part happy of... to get the invite. Yes, yeah. exactly. Connor is 100% like, whoa, like, you want me to be a part of the cool? Okay, cool. Uh... Shiv, second most intrigued because she just got spurned by her dad, uh -huh. right? And she understands that, she understands that Kendall has something, there's something to what he's trying to do here, but she's, you know, they've all been traumatized by Logan so much and the sort of Stockholm syndrome of loving their, their torturers, it um, takes hold in all of them. So I think Shiv is definitely interested specifically because she already just got spurned for Jerry. Uh, but you know, she still wants to ride with her, with daddy. And then Roman, of course, because he sees himself as ultimately ascending to the top. So he's like, I can't hitch my wagon to this power hungry ass dude when I want the whole, when I want the seat myself, right? So I think definitely Connor most intrigued, Shiv second most intrigued, and Roman third most intrigued. Yeah, Roman seems the most hostile towards it. And even yeah. though he brings him this duty-free gift or whatever from the airport, he's basically like, I'm here to spy on you, just so yeah. you know, just so everybody's aware. Shiv is more like, I think, intrigued, kind of gets where Kendall is coming from in terms of his uh, his pitch about the great whites rolling off stage and the American century coming to an end. <laughs> but I think ultimately there's something about the fact that Connor, who is the most sort of probably on board for most of the episode and was saying amen, brother, to Kendall, he's the first one to be like, take my name off the list here. And the right. fact that Connor does that is like, if Connor's not signing up for this, I can't sign up for it. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's obvious. And, you know, the, the coolest thing about that sequence of events at the house is the siblings being brutally honest about how they feel about each other. Uh, just, you know, sometimes they're talking in double speak, but us as the audience, we could tell, like, everybody's like, Kendall, you are so full of yourself. You're, you've been a career and life effort. 
your whole life. However, this thing you got going is semi-impressive. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, everybody's acknowledging that. But they can't shake the feelings. Like, we know you, dude. Like, you can ruin anything. No right. matter how pristine it is, you have the capability of completely ruining it. So that was the coolest thing about this sequence of events. It's all of them being honest about how they feel and view each other. Roman's almost so depraved and emotionless that he's the person who sees the situation for what it is because he's the one who's like, we just wait. We just wait for him yeah. to self-destruct because yeah. he he's addicted to self-destruction. Yes, yes. And, and that was the coolest thing ultimately that you see in the episode. It's like... Yeah, Kendall, you might have the upper hand right now, but there's absolutely no reason for us to throw in our lot with you right now. We could just wait till you actually prove something. There's right. no reason for us to do it right now. And another thing that I thought was cool, too, was that what it felt like to me watching is that Kendall has this great hand to play. It reminded me of the 2016 offseason for the Warriors. <laughs> it's like, we just went 73 and nine. Right. Uh, sure, we lost the finals by one freaking game. Um, probably win it, but for Draymond putting his nutsack on LeBron's head. Uh, we're probably good going into 16-17. But let's get KD, right? right? Like, that's what it felt like Kendall was doing. It's like, if I line up the siblings, not just what the corporation has done that's been, you know, Borderline criminally negligent, if not outright criminally yeah, we'll negligent. Yeah, we'll get into that. Right? Uh, not just what they've done organizationally, but uh, if I could get the family, like the family is now turned against this dude. This guy's kids are now like, this is done. So forget about what he's done like that we could just say is just messed up and probably against the law. His own kids think he's too disgusting and awful to run his own company anymore. It's over. Game, yeah. set, match, right? Uh, so that's what I thought was interesting about that too. Yeah, Kendall's uh, white knighting here is interesting just because I, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the, the most, <laughs> but the most sort of like, uh, I guess like, uh, admirable thing he could do or the more most sort of just thing he could do would be like, look, I have these papers. It incriminates my father. It incriminates the entire executive class of this company. It's time for this company to be dismantled for the good of society. Right. Um, on one hand, like you could try and set up Shiv to be the new face of the company. But on the other hand, like his sort of desire to accrue power for himself is ultimately going to be the thing that's his downfall. You, you have to imagine. I mean, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he's got all his ducks in a row here. I wanted to ask you though, like, do you particularly believe Shiv in that in that bedroom scene when they're all kind of gathered in Kendall's daughter's bedroom? Does Sh Shiv is protesting ignorance while everybody else is kind of like, we knew, we knew, and you know, uh, Connor especially seems to have some some insight into it. Roman is like, yeah, I was kind of aware, like, not necessarily throwing people off boats, but I was kind of aware. Right, and I Shiv mean, is just like straight up, I did not know. They were docking in Los Angeles and all of that, right? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so he kind of gets an idea of it. But here's where Shiv's I didn't know argument falls apart. You got the news from Tom, your husband, mm -hmm. and you did nothing with it. So even if you didn't know in real time, 
uh, the, while it was happening, you didn't you didn't have the goods in real time. You got it afterwards. You could have easily came public and was just like, "This is awful." So no matter what, no matter how you try to spin this, right? The reality is that your hands are just as dirty because once you got the information, you didn't um you didn't do anything with it. And you know, I do want to go back to some of the stuff with Kendall because I find that like a lot of real life creeps into the show, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, when you talk about Kendall's white knight nature, I think about the Facebook whistleblower lady the other day. Yeah, for sure. Where she's like, yeah, this was horrible, and I feel bad, and blah, 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 blah. And all these senators are like, what should we do, lady, who whose retirement is wound up in owning Facebook stock? Should and we break it up? Also she's wound like, up no. in owning crypto, and she lives in Puerto Rico where she doesn't have to pay a lot of taxes. There you go, of course. And they're like, should we break Facebook up? Should we just kill this company? She's like, no, of course not. We don't do that. No, my, you know, I, I own a shit ton of Facebook stock. I'm going to freaking, this is my nest egg. Don't break up the company. We want the stock price to stay as high as possible. So much of real life reminds me of what's happening on the show uh, yesterday because I was feeling so, like, I was just literally on my couch watching TV. Um, I binged uh, Dope Sick. Uh-huh. The Michael uh, Keaton show. The yeah. Michael Keaton show about the opioid crisis in the Sackler family. And there's a there's a kind of uh, <laughs> Roy family dynamic with the Sacklers, too. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just showing you how the sausage gets made and how, like, none of these people are unique. Within this system that we've created for ourselves, this is how it works. Right. No matter who or what you put in the position, this is how it's going to work. Yeah. Succession is actually like in that dangerous zone right now where it's like, is succession imitating real life or is real life imitating <laughs> right. succession? Like the same thing happened with the Rogers family. Did you read about that with the the Canadian media like family that, not. Owns, that owns the Raptors? Okay. And like it was, it was only oh, for the I... series of checks and balances. That's why Masai stole the Dude, GM of the Raptors. I saw that. There was some guy that was just like, oh, this Masai guy, who does he think he is? I saw, I kind of saw that because I'm kind of deep into Raptors Twitter a little bit. So I saw <laughs> glimpses of it. I didn't dive headfirst into the story though. I can't imagine two tougher scenes from, from myself if I was sick and spent the day on the couch than watching Dope Sick and looking at Raptors Twitter. Look, you, you know, I'm watching it the whole time and I'm like, this is not even the type of show you want to recommend to somebody because it's like, it's only going to get you mad. Yeah. It's barely entertaining. It's just going to make you, it's just going to piss you off, right? right? So you don't even want to be like, yo, you should check out this new show. It's actually dope. It's like, bro, this is just depressing stuff. We preach a culture of accountability on this podcast, so I just want to come out and say that if I was the scion of a very powerful <laughs> like media family, of like a huge, wealthy, oligarch-type family, and we had an interest in an NBA team, I definitely would install myself as team. <laughs> facts. <laughs> come on. I mean, who who, who among, amongst us would not do that? Facts. You know what I mean? Before I, I like, would at least try the job. You know, like... Yeah, interim. Idea. Interim president of basketball ops. You know? At least let me do it. Let me fail <laughs> at it three trillion times like James Dolan and then finally put some people in charge. One of the, um, the next question I have is about Kendall, speaking of science. So one of the more interesting developments over the course of this season has been like, this is kind of a new Kendall. Like we've, we've mm -hmm. had uh, Icarus Kendall in the first season. We've had Shellshock Kendall in the second season. This Kendall 
is the guy we saw walk into the Valter meeting. We've seen glimpses of him before, but the combination of like, you know, headspace, psychobabble, of C-suite buzzwords, and just constant churning of, of, of sick burns. Like, what do you make of this new uh, Frankenstein's monster of Kendall? It's obvious that Kendall doesn't know what it takes to be a CEO of a company this large and this expansive and this powerful. And the proof of that is the, how you know Kendall doesn't get the job is that he doesn't get his own father. Right. Like you, you like the fact that you can't please your father shows that you don't know what it takes to do what he does or else you know how to make him happy. Right. Like the fact that you constantly fail at satisfying this man who only cares about this one thing shows that you don't know what that job is. You don't know what makes him tick. You don't know what makes those kinds of people tick and therefore make them effective at what they do. Because Again, the man who raised you, who you spent the most time with, you know nothing about. You don't, you know, you don't understand him. You're constantly just like flailing whenever it's time for you to be like, all right, dad, this is why it should be me. This is how I know Kendall doesn't know what he's doing. Right. <laughs> he would have already proven it to his freaking dad by now. <laughs> <laughs> and so you- all of this other stuff that he's doing, like when it comes to the buzzwords, all right, we got to get the PR firm and we got to do this. We got to do that. It's what he thinks yeah. a CEO is, but right. it's not grounded in any reality as far as how CEOs function in our world or in succession. Like, just look at how Stewie plays them. Look at how, you know, Logan's main rival is playing. Look at how all of the people who are actually good at this just run laps around this dude all the time. It's obvious he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, I mean, like, the more and more I watch this show, the more and more Roman seems like the more natural successor just because Roman is actually interested in the business to some extent and is and is kind of like the kind of guy who will blow up a satellite and then actually make it see tomorrow you know like he doesn't get Kendall just seems like he's reading three self-help books at once (laughs) and is confusing all the messaging and confusing all the vocabulary um Kendall absolutely hand out white fragility books to his to his employees he he'd be that boss he's got the alchemist he's got he's got it all um this is what it is. I was very much looking forward to uh, this this question. So Kendall gives this big speech in his daughter's bedroom where he talks about being at the end of the long American century. And the great whites rolling off stage. You know, uh, Roman makes that joke about, oh, we have this because we're such a great collection of multi-ethnic, transgendered, you know, millennials <laughs> or whatever. But um, do you think Kendall actually buys this jazz that he's playing? Like about like the this stuff? Or is this just like what he read in the Atlantic and now he's like regurgitating it and is trying to use it to his own advantage or do you think he actually is like a character or like is his character somebody who has like a real sense of like systemic change possibly being afoot? No, I I think he has to buy it, right? To do what he's doing to the extremes that he is, he has to have some level of buy-in. We can call it self-delusion if we want, but like he believes his own BS, Right. But what I think is so interesting about that speech about the end of the long American century, I'm just like, all right, yeah, we are replacing Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and the Sacklers with who? Right. With freaking Elon Musk. These guys are better. They're not like it's it's so obvious. Mark Zuckerberg's not better than the robber barons that came before. him. Like it's not better. 
Like, okay, like we shuffle Logan off and we bring you in. It's not better. <laughs> it's just not better. Like, no matter how you want to spin it, like, sure, you can talk yourself into thinking you would be a better oligarch than your father, but it's BS. And again, that's what I love about real life. Like, it's not better. Like, you're just going to be the next Martin Sclarelli or yeah. whoever. Like, you named the uber capitalist. There are no good ones. They do not exist. Okay? <laughs> like, it's just, that's just not how this game works. So that, that leads me to my next question, which is, Greg, really the best way to expose the tr structural contradictions of cap capitalism as reified by the architecture of corporate America? <laughs> Peter Rieger comes through as like William Kunstler. Dude. And it's just like, now you're my you're my toy here. Dude, Greg the Egg continues to just be the funniest, the funniest part about this show. Like every single scene, he's knocking it out the park with his nervous ass energy. And just like, he is so out of his depth. At every single turn, he's just like, this is too much. I can't handle this. You know, but the funny thing about, you know, <laughs> exposing the structural contradictions of <laughs> capitalism, it's, again, it's this one company. It's like the idea that Logan could make all of this dirty money. Logan could enrich himself and accrue power through these dirty-ass, horrible-ass, anti-democratic ways, right? Um, and our reward for having him kicked out is his, are his dumb-ass kids. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's the structure. That's the structure of America. our system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the structure of our system. We're rewarded by maybe getting Connor in that seat instead. That's the freaking system. Like, nobody can argue that these kids pulled themselves up by the bootstraps or were so hyper-competent that they dug through the mud and they self-made and they're this and they're that. They're a bunch of bumbling idiots. And they're right in line to take over this massive apparatus that wields sway over presidents. Yeah. Okay, that's the system that we have. <laughs> the show is blissfully apolitical in some ways. Like, yeah. it is pretty much just a depiction Which of the I, behavior. I, I enjoy that part of it. But there's, you know, aside from the uh, Eric Bogosian character, who is sort of the Bernie stand-in mm -hmm. that Shiv worked for, you know, you get a, a sense of, like, what the political spectrum is in the world of the show. But for the most part, it's been interesting to watch the language of the contemporary moment, like, seep into the show itself and see how these characters, you know, they, like it, it's a co blissfully COVID free show, but it's interesting to watch them also like take things that are very much a product of the last 18 months in terms of how they've been manifesting themselves in like corporate America. Right. Yeah. It's man, it's crazy. Like you asked me that, um, on, on one of the previous episodes yeah. about like how grounded in real life, is this show and they do it. They, then they're not whacking you over the head with it. They're kind of showing and not telling, mm -hmm. which, which is what I enjoy again, the most like this idea that we would come in here and do like as a show, just do some like extremely political stuff about like, you know, and I'm not even talking about shit like critical race theory, which is sure. whatever, which is ridiculous. Like that we would debate the merits of like, 
what percentage the capital gains tax would be. Like, they're not going to do that, right? Like, they're not going to do that on the show. As far as the politics of today, I think what the show does is explains who has a voice, who has a seat at the table, and who doesn't. That's all the show is here to do. And it's like... <laughs> not only do <laughs> not only do you not have a seat at the table, average whatever HBO viewer American stand in, the people who do are the worst people on the planet. <laughs> that's the show. That's to me if the show had any politics, that's all that they're espousing, right? You can think that's cool or you can say, well, man, billionaires deserve to run our lives, right? Like politicians should be taking marching orders from captains of industry like Logan. Or you can disagree, but the show is just explaining to you like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. And and you can have whatever political view that you want, but this is the truth of the matter. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about um, kind of like a little bit more forward facing or forward looking. Do you think that Shiv's new job that she she picks up at the end of the episode with after the photo op that she declines to participate in, is that a game changing move or another like Jerry style political placement on Logan's part? That felt like total bullshit. Yeah, I mean, um, like I feel like we've been down this road before. Yeah, that felt like total bullshit. And I he think dangles the carrot. He calls her pinky. She of does course. some shit. Yeah, and also it's. Again, Logan being the most cynical person ever, uh, we're going to put two women out front and use them as meat shields. Duh. That's the obvious play. (laughs) Like, obviously, we're going to install two women to take all the shrapnel. Like, of course, that that's a no-brainer to Logan, right? It's like, yeah, yeah we're, we're about to get slammed for sexual harassment and horrible treatment of women and all of this awful stuff. Sexual assaults, dudes making women give them blowjobs for a job, um, you know, for, for uh, fucking promotions at work and all of that. Like, yeah, let's just put two women in front. Right. One of them being my daughter, who I know, like, is so thirsty for the freaking... To be close to the seat of power, like, she can't even see how ridiculous it is to be the face of this. Uh, it just seemed like, it's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Speaking of the uh, women on the, on the show, Marsha comes back. So, we've, we're Club Carolina, we've spoken mm-hmm. about it, but, like, how, how did you feel about Marsha coming back? She is the savviest political operator on the show. Yeah. Like, by far. Like, she has an acute understanding of the pressure points and like where her leverage is. She understands where her leverage is and she doesn't overplay it or underplay it. She's just like, all right, I know what the, why I'm needed here and I'm willing to do it for you guys, but we need some quick pro quo yeah. here. That's, it's very simple. Um, she is the savviest of all the people on the show as far as maneuvering, ma- maneuvering and operating within this world and within this world's rules, right? Like how this world is governed. Marsha understands the rules of this world far better than everybody else, which is just so obvious. One thing that Logan's done over the course of the last couple of seasons from when the show started and the premise kicked in of who will succeed this guy, is he has very savvily cut the pie up into more and more slices so that the people 
who want the pie have to fight with more contenders. Yes. So whether it's bringing in the Pierces, whether mm-hmm. it's entertaining the Carls and the Franks and the Jerrys of the world, whether yep. it's Stewie and Sandy, yep. all these different elements that he kind of keeps on a, on a string, it makes it probably harder for anyone, Kendall or Shiv, to see light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. The Marsha thing, I'd have to go back and kind of really study the first two seasons, which I, I neglected to do before this pod. But I've always felt like the implication is that Marsha, like, there's something to Marsha. Like, there is something yeah. to Marsha and Logan's relationship. There's something there where there's either a secret being kept, uh, an agreement being abided by. Something is happening there. And, and, and in terms of the relationship, that I don't know that the show is necessarily fully impact or it may never may never actually get to. I guess this is the last question. So the entire second Wait, before, episode... Before oh, we yeah, move on from Marsha, I want the listeners who want to dork out and sort of read the <laughs> original text of some of the shit right. that's going on <laughs> on the show. I feel like I'm pretty sure Marsha's character is based on this Asian lady who Wendy. like yeah. Wendy who like dated Wendy Murdoch. She dated Rupert Murdoch. She popped up with Vladimir Putin. She's just like all over the place. And Wendy's the one when Murdoch was testifying in like a I think a congressional hearing in uh, Australia or England or something, and a dude tried to hit him with a pie. She like <laughs> she threw down. Remember? Do you remember <laughs> yes. that video? Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's who this character is loosely based on. So yeah, they, and like the implication when you read anything, because she's got this mysterious background, people don't really know where she came from, X, Y, and Z. Like the, when you read about her, it's like this idea that like she's clearly tapped in. Yes, yes. <laughs> she is tapped in, in, in. Because you got it, like Rupert Murdoch and Vladimir Putin. <laughs> um. <laughs> The last thing I wanted to ask you, so the, for the entire episode, Kendall is like, here's my pitch. I'd love for you guys to join me on this journey. If not, that's fine because I can do it on my own. I can go it alone. Do you think he can? I think the word can is doing a lot of work. Is <laughs> doing a lot of work there. I guess hypothetically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he was smart and ruthless about it um, and he knew the pressure points, uh, he could... He could with just the facts on the ground, right? Like, just what happened, who was in charge, who helped cover it up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he has the goods, right? So he could do this on his own, theoretically. But you and I know, because we're fans of the show, that it's fucking impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just impossible that Kendall could pull but this But it's off. good drama. It's good drama <laughs> yes. to see him alone, because that's when he's at his worst and at his best. But right. like, I kind of, there's part of me that would have liked to have seen like him have to like entertain Connor being like, I'll fly with you, Captain, or whatever. <laughs> but it's it's going to be interesting to see him negotiate it. My last question for you, Boz, is what age is too young to appear in front of Congress this many times? <laughs> <laughs> Such a great, Like, do you want to be like Merrick Garland's age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, yeah, you, if you, if you, you you should not have been in front of Congress more than one time for any reason before age forty. You, you should you should be past forty five if you've been up there multiple times, bro. So Greg <laughs> is right; like he is too young to have been to Congress again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Waz, we got that third episode coming on Sunday night. We'll be back next week to talk about uh, the fourth episode and give our thoughts on the third episode. As always, thank you so much for joining me. 
Of course, super excited. Can't wait. Feel better, man. Uh, thanks, to, thanks to Stefan Anderson for uh, producing us this week. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.